You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, Two more Aggies are leaving the basketball program. Buzz Williams, this rebuild is looking a lot tougher because two veterans will be playing elsewhere in 2021-2022. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a protein bar meets a candy bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. Get a Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. As always, for all of you new listeners joining us over here from Tigna or WFFA, go ahead and give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So, this is dead period for AM sports. Yes, baseball is around. I literally watch baseball as much as possible, and there's just games where in about two innings, you know this is over. You know that the pitching's too dominant. You know that the you know the, the batters against your own pitching are finding ways to hit in uh, situations that allow your team to falter further and further and further behind. So it's a dead period. And also with, with basketball, I mean with baseball, it goes on forever. Literally, we will have baseball for another two months. I'm sure we will talk about it. By the way, just to give you a heads up, uh, Texas A&M did lose the series to the Florida Gators in fact, they got swept. I, it, it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, 14, four, 13 to four was the very first game. Three to one was the second game. Eight to four was the final game on Saturday. They had a day off. They're going to come back on uh, Tuesday, March 23rd, to face off against Rice at Bluebell Park before going at a three-game home series at Bluebell Park against the Georgia Bulldogs. The good news is. Georgia fell out of the top 25. They are no longer ranked going into this week. But after that. You have the big series of the year. It is Texas, who is ranked in the top 10 still. But enough about baseball, because there's always a day that we can talk about it. Let's talk a little bit about basketball. This is a big, big, big story going on with the Aggie basketball program. Kevin Marfo transferred, and that was kind of one that I think people maybe didn't see coming, but they didn't expect it. Anything could happen. You could expect anything to happen, and you know what? Eventually, it just does. But then a couple of other moves came, and with these moves, they're a little less enticing. And the first one was now J.J. Chandler. According to reports from 24-7 Sports, it was confirmed. Uh, I was even able to confirm it as well. J.J. Chandler, the senior guard, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, He started 12 games over the past two seasons while averaging just over six points per outing. During his time with the Aggies, Chandler comes a day after the graduate transfer Kevin Marfo also entered the transfer portal. So this really happened, I believe, on Friday of last week, or this happened on, yeah, I think it happened Friday of last week, and it was officially reported, I think, Saturday, and now it's Monday, so this is what happens. Uh, Again, the biggest thing with him was because of the extra year of eligibility, 
He has one year remaining, and he's going to take his talents elsewhere. The Aggies always battled guard consistency during the first two years of the Buzz Williams era. Uh, he's had a ton of big-time breakout games, that 14-point upset over Auburn last year, uh, the 21-point game this past year against LSU. He had, I believe, 14 games and two steals against Kansas State. And then, of course, the whole league shut down. I mean, A&M, they didn't play. They were done. They didn't have any resources. They just were kind of around, and they never were able to get anything going. So Chandler, who was basically a six-man, wanted to get his shot to start somewhere else, hopefully play for a contending team, and you look at what Texas A&M has been through. They struggled shooting. They struggled with offensive rebounds. Defensive rebounds, they were okay. They struggled in assists. They struggled in blocks. They were immensely bad in blocks. And they don't really have a true functioning line, which way they're going in to next season. Like, last season, at least you knew, all right, Emmanuel Miller, we're going to play him as our four. We have our five in Josh Nebo. We have some good guards backing everyone up with Wendell Mitchell, with uh, with Mark French if we really need to play in a pinch. We have some up-and-coming stars like Andre Gordon. This year was a, all right, well, where do we do? Where do we go? And Chandler knows that, and Chandler now is looking to take his talents elsewhere. The problem is, and it's a big problem, losing the six-man in Chandler hurts. But you can make it work if Quentin Jackson comes back, if Savion Flag comes back, if Brandon Aku steps up in the paint, and Emmanuel Miller steps up, and one of these freshmen coming in can make an impact. Which means Andre Gordon can be your sixth man. Unfortunately, AM will be losing one of those names I just mentioned. After four years at Texas AM, Savion Flag posted on social media saying goodbye that he would be using the extra year of eligibility to pursue other college options to finish out his career. This was posted this morning. Dear Texas A&M University, my journey over the past four years has been more than you promised me. There have been a lot of up and downs, but I would not trade them for the world. First, I would like to thank Coach Billy Kennedy, his family, and the coaching staff for offering me a scholarship here at Texas A&M. Second, I would like to thank Buzz Williams, his family, and the supporting staff for allowing me to stay a part of the program during the coaching transition in my junior year. I would also like to thank the Texas A&M administration and all academic advisors. Getting my degree from Texas A&M may be one of the biggest life accomplishments and life goals. Thank you to all the managers that did work behind the scenes that nobody knows about to get players set for practice, games, and travel. A huge thank you to the fans for their support over the last four years, especially the Little Aggies. Thank you to the Reed Rowdies for always having Reed Arena rocking. And the biggest thanks of all to my Aggie brothers from 2017 to 2021. You guys are a big part of why my experience was so great here, and I am forever grateful to call you my brothers for life. Finally, after many conversations weighing my options with my family and close loved ones, 
I have decided that I will use my final year of eligibility to pursue other avenues to continue my collegiate basketball career. This choice was not an easy one, but it felt like the best one for me. My time here at Texas A&M has been unbelievable, and I will forever be grateful for my Texas A&M family. This one hurts, because for A&M, you need a leader. More than just a leader, you need someone who can step up and perform under pressure. Flag was that guy. And now you lose that guy. And who's stepping up? Is it going to be Quentin Jackson? Is it going to be Andre Gordon? Is it going to be Emmanuel Miller, who's already stepped up to that first-year role player to now leading scorer to now leader of the team, leader of the club, biggest name, having to get a double-double every night. Is that what's going to happen? COVID-19 this season did a lot more damage than I think enough people don't realize going into next year. It feels like players have lost the confidence that they're going to be anything. At AM. So much so that these guys are transferring to different schools. Maybe they're smaller schools. Maybe they're big schools and they're role players, but they want to go to the tournament. Something that AM has not done over the past two years. And maybe they would have last year with a deep run in the in the uh SEC tournament because they were the seventh seed. I think the two seed last year was was Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, and they beat Auburn during the regular season. So they made a deep enough run. Maybe they would have been in that situation, but they're not, and this is what happens. More than that, you took out eight games this season to where other teams, like Arkansas, who hired Eric Musselman the same time that Buzz was hired, they're in the Sweet 16. Alabama, a team that is now likely going to go to the Sweet 16, has a very good shot if UCLA pulls up the offset. To continue going even deeper. And they're playing Abilene Christian. So yeah, I'm going to say UCLA gets that win. They're going to go to the Elite Eight. If they can play consistent offense. A&M doesn't have that. And that's not to say Buzz Williams is a bad hire. What it's saying is, is that teams believe that over time, you have to build this chemistry with these players. And the only way to do so is by playing in actual games. And AM is not playing in games right now. And they're not playing in games at all for a couple week for a couple months. And that was after they had to sit out for a month and not play a game. So it's a little frustrating. Does it stink that you're losing two key components to an offense? Yeah. Does this just mean step up time for Andre Gordon? Yeah. Does this also mean that Buzz Williams, who I believe is gonna have at least three more years? To get the program turned around. But next year is a pivotal year in recruiting. Yeah. I do. You have to make sure that you get these guys. Not just who are the Colin Sextons of the world. Or the Cade Cunninghams of the world. Who are going to come in. Play for a year because they love the team chemistry. And then bounce out. You need them there. For two years. For three years. Recruit and build that chemistry. It's the only way you're going to be able to play. And more than that. It's the only way you're going to get better. 
This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Blue Chew. Now, let's talk about Blue Chew for a second. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients in Viagra or Cialis, but instead of swallowing it, it's chewable and it costs a fraction of the price. Bluetooth tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain the extra confidence when it's time to suit up and perform. It's an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line, and best of all, it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers, and once approved, you will receive a prescription within days. And don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. We have a special offer for all of our listeners who want to try Blue Chew for free when they use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we'd like to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring our podcast. We are winding down the very first rounds of the NCAA tournament, and that means the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 will have higher bets to be made. And the one place we love and the one place we trust for you to go make your money is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best lines, the best payouts, and the best bets every single time you make a deposit. So stop sitting on the silent and step into the action. Plus, it's never too late to sign up for an account right now. And when you do and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make some extra cash this upcoming NCAA tournament with BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. 25 minutes. That's all it will take for you to find out the top information going on around the sporting community when you listen to Locked On Today. Host Peter Bukowski, brand new show, brings you all the up-to-date information on everything going on in all sports. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So, I'm going to turn my attention back to football for right now. The NFL Draft is coming up. I think that it's important that we talk about the NFL Draft as much as possible. A&M this season is actually in a very good spot compared to last year where they had Courtney Davis, uh, uh, it was Braden Mann, Justin Matabike, and Kendrick Rogers be the only four to go. Two were drafted. One was drafted early, and that was Matabike. He still was a third-round pick. This year, there's a ton of talent. I don't know where they will land. Because they're kind of all over the place. Kellen Mond, I've heard from some, will go as soon as a late second, early third. I've heard he's a fifth round pick from others. I've heard Buddy Johnson is undraftable. And then I've heard he's about a fifth round pick from others. I've heard Bobby Brown could be a name, depending on his pro day, that marks his way up into the late second round. Could be a fifth round, sixth round pick. So it's it's a plethora of talent. But the one name... That I do think of the most right now is Jamon Osbin. Osbin going into this year would have been my number one player to watch for. I think a lot of people know I do this series throughout the summer, leading up to spring camp, leading up into the upcoming year. And I try to make it so that every team, or I mean every player on that team is represented. I, I try to do 25, sometimes I'll do 50. Osmond was number one. Playing some Osmond was my number one guy to watch for this year. I think Anias Smith was two or three. Jalen Weidemeyer was four. Kellen Mom was like five. Osmond was one. Because of I thought he had the most upside to go into this year. You have a player who plays a prime position in a loaded draft class that unfortunately is now going to have to go through the ringer and show 
more than enough and then some to even be considered to be drafted because if he opted out at the start of the year. Guys, I don't want to be this person because I believe that every single player has every right to do what they believe is best for their career. And COVID-19 was a rough year. It was a rough year for all. But if you are not a top 10 pick, guaranteed, and that means Caleb Farley, that means Micah Parsons, that means Jamar Chase, that probably also means Penny Sewell, you need to play. I'm sorry, you need to play if you're going to go in the NFL draft. Now, what you could have done was you could have opted out and then come back next year. And that's what I think Osmond now should have done. Veteran guy, new quarterback, young roster, be the guy. Be the leader. Instead, he's going to go to the NFL draft, and I don't know what's going to happen there. But Lance Zerline of NFL.com said a couple of things about Osmond going into the year. He's a high-character player with focused ball skills and the ability to make sudden catch in tight quarters, but he's typically smothered whistle-to-whistle, especially in press man coverage. He'll need to play a much more physical brand of football to create more separation at the next level. But even then, we see still has a high percentage of contested catches. A lot of things that was said that there was liked about him was he was praised by his high character in the program. He works the middle of the field without any fear of getting hit across by a linebacker or a uh, a safety. They also said a lot about him being able to play in man coverage. He has uh, very, very great hands in small windows. And then come the negatives. Lacks of function of speed for the position. More of a quick hit guy than a long vertical speed guy. Little juice off the snap into the route. Uh, man, corners challenges every step. Really doesn't do much after the catch either. So a short dude. I think when you look at him, he's an unfinished product. And that's the best way to put a guy like Osmond. He is completely an unfinished product. In a way, yeah, you would like to see him evolve as a true number three. This past year, you would love to see him be the number one guy again. But he wasn't because he didn't play. But he also only has two and a half years of experience of football at the collegiate level. Because if he missed most of 2018 with a leg injury, I want to say it was, he only played in five games. So that's over half the season he missed. You then have his limited role as a freshman and his breakout year as a junior. So it's really tough to get an evaluation on a guy like this. I think the biggest thing of all what you can look at is his consistency. He is consistent at making catches. He is consistent at winning at the line of scrimmage. And he does a good job against nickel defenders on slants, outs, crosses, uh, in routes, quick curls. He wins those battles. There is another problem though. When looking at this roster, top to bottom, Osbind is now going to be playing against the best, the best, the best, the best nickel corners who came from college. He didn't always win against the average nickel corners. Is he going to be able to win against the best? This was a move that when I heard that he was opting out, I got frustrated. Because if 
this is a very good wide receiver class, and it was before you had the additions of Terrace Marshall, uh, Deami Brown, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney. You already had a bunch of guys. And you also had Jamar Chase opt out. So that could have really helped you be the number one wide receiver in the SEC. And you didn't do that. You felt okay with where you were. And maybe that works, and maybe that doesn't. Do I expect him to get drafted? I'll let you know my thoughts on that after his pro day. But he needs to crush his pro day. He absolutely cannot miss a beat on his pro day. We've been telling you for a while that Built Bar is the best protein bar out there. Not because it's just high in protein, low in sugar, low in calorie, and high in fiber, but the amazing taste of 100% real chocolate is found in every bar. But what's the best? Let's find out with our Built Bar Madness. Our tournament trying to figure out the best Built Bar is coming closer to the enticing eight. As we have today, Coconut taking on Birthday Cake. I recently tried the Birthday Cake one. Guys, it's like a perfect blend of kind of a cookie cake with a mix of a good chocolate blend on top. You will love it. And coconut, seriously, like, no, I'm sorry. I, I just, like, I, I get the coconut feed, but but no, just just stop with the coconut stuff. But it doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what you think. Go to BuiltBar.com and vote today. And remember to use the promo code BuiltBarLockedOn15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LockedOn15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Come back later today to see who wins this challenge and who will be moving on to the enticing eight as the next great Built Bar. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. The NFL draft is just a few weeks away, so it's time to start following our Locked on Draft Dude. The Draft Dude podcast watches every prospect, so you don't have to. And the Locked on NFL Draft podcast is your daily draft news with Mock, mock Draft Podcast. Follow Locked on Draft and Draft Dudes on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So, earlier this week... I, I, I thought about doing something and I brought a question up onto social media and I said, let's just talk about a question you really like. And every Monday show, I'm going to close the show out with answering one of these questions that was sent to me. Doesn't really matter what it's about. It just, it's about the fact that it gets me more close with the fans. And the recent question that I was asked was, where would you put a new sports team in every city in America? that does not already have a sports team there. So basically, it's like this. Just hear me out. It's, if Houston has a baseball team, I can't put a baseball team here. But they don't have a hockey team. Could I put a hockey team here? Charlotte has a football team, but they don't have a hockey or a hockey team. Could I put one there? That's what this is. So I'm going to go through all four major sports in America, and I'm going to tell you where I would put one of these next franchises. The NBA is the easiest one. I would go back to Seattle. 100%, not a second question, I would go back to Seattle. This came down to two areas, and I do think that while Nashville would be really interesting, they have the Memphis Grizzlies, just up the road in Tennessee. The Seattle Supersonics, I mean, was there not a cooler logo a cooler uniform, an overall feel that just made it seem like such a cool play. Like, Ray Allen is one of my favorite players ever. 
to grace a basketball court because of he was so dead accurate with the three. And when they left Seattle and they left the Pacific Northwest, there was a missing element there. But they just got back the Kraken, the new NHL team. By the way, fantastic name. Fantastic name. Nobody is ever going to beat the Kraken. They just, uh, they have Safeco Field. And they're a big enough metropolitan to where I think that they could have all five sports represented if you include the MLS. So yeah, if I am an NF, I mean an NBA team, I'm immediately going back to Seattle. MLB, it's the same conversation for me. We're, we're back to Nashville. Nashville is such a cool location. It's it's in a great spot in the middle of the country, and you could have really fun rivalries there with say St. Louis, with Chicago, with Milwaukee. You could do a lot in that in that state. And Nashville, there's so many team names you could come up with. But there is one other spot that I like a little bit more, and it's Charlotte. The Queen City is still a quiet location. It's still a gem. Every single time I go to Charlotte, and I've only been a handful of times, I've never left feeling like feeling like disgruntled. Like you go to Philadelphia, you're like, ah, God, I gotta go here again. You go to New York, you're like, all right, well, if you don't know, first off, if you don't know New York, don't even try. Like, New York is a terrible place outside of, you know, outside of the tourist stuff. My family's from New York, so I'm used to it. But besides that, it's terrible. Charlotte's just this beautiful city that loves its sports, that has a great area of land that could be used for a sporting town, and you could build a sporting hub around it. I 100% believe that they could finance a baseball team. They already do it with AAA for the White Sox with the Charlotte Knights. And they bring in great numbers. The the drive from like Raleigh and all those small areas is big enough to where it doesn't feel that long. It's like going from a suburb to the city to go watch the Rangers play. Or going from like the Woodlands in right outside of Houston to watch the Astros play. It's a little bit longer. It's like 75 minutes. But you would definitely be able to do it. And you'd be able to make a fun day out of it. I want to go Nashville. But I'm going to go Charlotte. Let's go to the NHL. This one's really quick. Charlotte, Nashville, Seattle. They all seem like great locations because of, you know, they're, they're up and coming cities. But at the same time, they all have locations. I think you need a team in Texas. I really do. And here's why. If you're trying to build a fan base outside of your respective locations and build, you know, a hockey fandom, you got to go to cities that don't have it. Dallas has it and it works for the Stars. Houston is the polar opposite. They had a minor league team with the Houston Arrows for years. It worked out great for a while. It slowly diminished. I promise you. There's a lot of people moving to Texas for work because of that's just where work is right now. People from Boston, people from uh, from New York, people from all across the East Coast, on even the West Coast, they like hockey. It's a good physical sport, and Houston, which is becoming a central hub for electric and you know and engineering, that's a great spot to look. Because if you can then build a rivalry with the Dallas Stars, and on top of that, you'd be able to add another team to a city that has the population 
and has the sporting funds to make this actually positive with a huge revenue within the first, I would say, three years. You would make back what it costs you to build this team in three years, easily. And if your team became really good over that span, you would be able to probably bring in top free agents. You'd be able to uh, sign top players. You would not be looking at the draft for that long. And hockey playoffs are fun because of it's an eight-man team. It's eight eight teams on each side, so sixteen teams. So you have a shot to make it pretty much every single year, even as an eight seed. And number one being football, where would I put a football team? This is the easiest question I have. Everyone asks me where would I put a football team. I worked in the spot where there needs to be a football team. It's San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio not only hosts hosted the New Orleans Saints with sellout crowd in the Alamo Bowl. During that 2006 season. 2005 season, my bad. They also had the Commanders, which is where I worked. Everyone knows this. We had an average fan base of 40,000 per game. A minor league football team with a freaking league that didn't last longer than the entire first season had an average fan base of over 40,000. In its first year. If that does not scream. It needs football. You're out of your mind. San Antonio. The reason why. There's not a team right now. In San Antonio. Is because Jerry Jones doesn't want it. Because he knows he will lose Cowboys fans. But if you were to put a team in San Antonio. I promise you. It would be. One of. The Biggest, biggest successes in the NFL in a short amount of time. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, let's take a look at the Aggies offensive line. What is going on there? Who is starting where? Could players be shifting around? What's the game plan for Jimbo Fisher? We'll be discussing that and much, much more. We'll see you then. And remember, hey, give me all. This has been... Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.